Hello to everybody who is made stronger by all the things that didn't kill him. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hi, everybody. Chris Gethard here. Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. And, And look... I know that last week I thanked everybody who came to Beautiful Cononymous, but if I'm being honest, I'm still processing those feelings. And um, the amount of comedians who were on the comedy shows who texted me and said, wow, your audience is the kindest people. The amount of times I met people who worked at the different venues we were at who said these are the nicest people I've ever been around. I have to tell you, at least half a dozen people over the weekend came up to me to say not just hi, but to just say like, how are you doing? This seems like a lot. It's overwhelming to have all these people and you're responsible for it. The Beautiful Anonymous community is by far one of the nicest communities all of these people have encountered. That room just felt like it was full of so much positivity and love. And I can't thank you enough, not just the people who managed to come for for many years now, all of you who listen quietly in your own homes. Maybe you post in the Facebook group, maybe you tweet about the show once in a while. Every single one of us is a little piece of the puzzle, helping to just bring out this side of things that that when other people get to encounter it, they're so blown away by the positive feelings of this community. I thank you for that. Now, this week's episode, we've had two 39-year-old grandmas on the show. Now we have a 48-year-old grandpa. We're building out the family side of the show here. And I'll tell you what, he's just done so much from, from a past as an artist to near-death experiences, drugs, I mean, actual sex, drugs, and rock and roll, to all sorts of stuff. It's really a great episode with someone who's just as real as it gets. And it also is a reminder, too, this person's lived a lot of life, and right now, he's a truck driver. But when you hear about how many different directions life has taken him before he ever even got that license to drive that truck, it's just such a reminder of, man, everybody has what you see on the surface, and then there's always so much more. Enjoy this one, everybody. I know I did. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Hi. Is this is this Chris? This is Chris. What's going on, man? What's going on? Same old stuff generally. I'll tell you, my, my son, his buddy from preschool is over. So there might be a little yelling. You might hear faintly in the background, but I found myself getting very emotionally worked up today because he has a friend who's like, not just a kid <laughs> who he lives near, like a kid who he met and who they like each other. And we as the parents have started joking around about like, all right, I guess we got to start getting to know each other because these two are attached at the hip. And that's fun. That's nice. Uh-huh. That's cool. That's cool. I guess with him being, a, what, he was born right before the pandemic or during my son was born in April 2019, yeah. So he probably hasn't had a whole lot of um, social interaction, so it's cool seeing him making some friends. Yeah, it's pretty cool. How are you? How are you feeling? All right, on. I'm, I'm doing good. Um, just got off of work, and um, I saw the tweet. I never expect to get through, and um, I got through, so that's cool. Well, I'm glad you're here. Glad you're making it happen. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So I guess some things I can talk about is, um, so like 13 years ago, 
I was nearly killed in a moped accident. Whoa. Um, but we can go back. Let, let, let me start from the beginning. My, my life has always been kind of, um, I've always been a little bit of a daring person. So at the age of three, I tried riding my tricycle off of a wall, like a retaining wall next to a driveway, and I like, got a concussion. Um, got hit by a car at 12. Um, nothing really happened. I just jumped in the air and it hit me in the butt and launched me about 30 feet down the road. Um, I got thrown out of a car, something like that. I remember flying through the air, um, watching pieces of the car skid, skid past you on the ground and thinking that landing is going to hurt. And it scraped my elbows up, my knees up and stuff like that. But like, I walked away from that one. And, uh, at about, I guess I was in my late teens. Uh, I got thrown out of a vehicle kind of, it was a new year's Eve and we had a designated driver plan for the evening. And we went to, I think the first, first stop, first party we were going to. And the guy whose car it was did not, he, he was changing his mind on driving and he decided to keep driving, even though he was beginning to get drunk. So he starts getting kind of belligerent and crazy. And I think as we're pulling out of this gas station, now's my time to bail. I don't want to be in this car. So I thought he was going to stop at the exit of this gas station before he turned. And I opened the door to get out and he floors it and makes a left turn. It throws me out of the car. My jacket gets caught on the hardware, the, the, where the latch would, would latch. Mm-hmm. And I am just skidding along with, with my, like I'm like I'm doing a limbo. Right? My feet are on the ground. I'm stuck. My head's right next to the tire. I'm pushing away on the fender with my hand. And finally, everybody in the car gets him to stop. So he stops. Why are you getting in so many car accidents? Why you, how, how come your life has had <laughs> such a, a severe number of car incidents? And, and, and the amazing thing is, is most of the time, I, I really never never got injured. Now, this next one is, I, I don't believe it, even though every word is true, but it's, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a wild story. So I don't blame you if you think this guy's crazy, he's making this shit up. So anyway, we, uh, me, and, me and a bunch of friends of mine go to my buddy's parents' land, and we're probably in our late teens, early 20s at this time again. And we go camping. We party down at the river, get shit-faced all day long, come back to the camp. And my buddy has got a 1969 Volkswagen Super Beetle. And he hops in it with a couple of our friends, and they were going to go, I don't know, I don't know where they were going. But I just said, hey, wait for me. And I run, and I jump on the roof of this car. <laughs> Which I, Don't ask me why, but I was a drunk show-off, I guess. So he's cruising down this gravel road, me on the roof, and he stops and says, hey, man, stand on the bumper. You'll be safer there. <laughs> so on the, there's, there's, trim, there's trim pieces on the car where I can grip onto with my hands, and the bumper sticks out to where my feet, you know, it's kind of uh, far away from the body, so I'm standing on that. Little do I know, he plans on going across this little creek bridge it's got a bit of a ramp kind of at the beginning of it so he hits this thing probably doing 30 miles an hour or more the car gets airborne at least the back got airborne my feet got airborne my hands stayed on grasping the car 
And I just remember thinking like, oh shit, I'm dead. And then my feet landed back on the car and I was still holding on. I thought, okay, I might make it through this. <laughs> At this point, this is a gravel road, like kind of, kind of a thick gravel road. At this point, the car starts fishtailing. It fishtails to the right, it fishtails to the left. And then it's fishing on to the right, but this time it's it's going full sideways. And I look down at the back tire, and there's a the gravel is getting higher and higher on this wheel. And I knew at that point I'm like, this that can't that can't sustain our forward momentum anymore. We're we're digging into the road. So the vehicle flips, and the next thing I know, I'm standing. I'm well, I'm not standing. I. I, I, I'm standing up watching the car roll towards me. Like it must have rolled three times, maybe. And it was still a little ways away from me when it stopped rolling. So that thing must have thrown me way down this gravel road. I have to pause just to digest the amount of harrowing information. I'm officially now dropping the ball because he's telling me harrowing things, but there's been enough of them. I'm not reacting as big as I should. That's crazy what he just said. Anyway. Let's do some ads. We'll be right back. Thanks to all of our advertisers. Now let's get back to the phone call. And it was still a little ways away from me when it stopped rolling. So that thing must have thrown me way down this gravel road. Now, am I the first person in your life who has recommended to you that you not go anywhere near motor vehicles? Has this been brought up to you? <laughs> Maybe you need to move to a city with a really fantastic public transportation system? Um, yes, but this is also, I'm, I'm 48 now, so this is like 30 years ago. Sure. Um, I'm, a lot, I'm a lot more mellow now, and I'm actually a, a, a truck driver, so no. I, I can't stay away from No, motor you're vehicles. not? No! <laughs> <laughs> no, why? Why are you dancing with the devil like this? Why are you taunting fate? So, so the, the the best part about this story is, well, my favorite part. I walk back where the car had slipped, like down the road. I see this pile of something, and this is back in the day before CDs, you know, cassette tapes. It's a pile of cassette tapes that shaped just like the window, like because it it fell out as it as it rolled, and there's a, a bottle of tequila sitting right on top which I really needed at the time. So I, uh, I grabbed a bottle of tequila and, and take a couple of big swigs. And um, my buddy's car, the battery became disconnected, so and they didn't know it. So we ended up having to tow it back the next day with my pickup truck. But and I, I walked away with a, a scrape on my back, and my hands had some gravel in them. But, like, it's a miracle. I did not, like, get flung into a tree and die. Like, that, that totally, that, that was totally lucky. Now, I tell you, like you said in the beginning, there's going to be people tempted to say that you're embellishing or exaggerating, but I believe you because I grew up with a guy. My brother's best friend was named George, and he was a guy who got hit by cars like 10 times, and it would be easy to think he was lying, except I personally witnessed it twice, two different times. Yeah. I saw him get hit by a car. Some, sometimes it was random fate. Sometimes it was a level of his own idiocy, and it sounds like you and George have a lot in common <laughs> yeah my wife who knows me well she um she took out an insurance policy on me and she gets paid more if the deck's death is by accident because she thinks that's how i'm gonna go <laughs> whoa so she's like placing bets 
Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, it, it was, you know, the policy's like, I think, I forgot what it is. It's not much if I just die, but yeah, it's like three or four times as much if it's by accident. So By a car accident? But, you know, well, just any accident, I guess, you know. Wow. Um, yeah, it's just accidental death, I believe. Wow. And accidental death and dismemberment, I don't know. So you you must have a commercial driver's license, right? Yes. And I know that to get a commercial driver's license, you have to take a lot of courses, and I would have to imagine there's a lot of safety classes as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even even the company I work for now, we have weekly safety trainings on on a tablet we have to do, and um, yeah, it's, I'm I'm I am a very safe driver now. I love it. I love hearing that your tone. When we're talking about your work, I hear you getting serious and going, oh, I can't giggle and joke about the accidents when I talk about being a commercial <laughs> truck driver. And I do appreciate it. But I do like knowing. Yeah, because I. On my end, I like knowing that you have to take a weekly safety class. I like knowing that. Yeah, I don't. It, it's I mean, it's it's kind of, um, I don't know, excessive in my opinion. But yeah, but for the rest of us listening to your history, we're like, good. Everybody else listening is like, I'm glad this guy has to touch base with the idea of safety on a weekly basis. It's probably keeping the rest of us safe out here. I, I'm kidding. I'm joking yeah. around. Probably the first truck driver you had on the show? No, we had one other. But he, I'm wondering if what kind of hauls do you have? We, we had a guy who did like short haul trucking, and, and he walked me through a bunch of it, sort of the ups and downs of where the industry's at right now. That's what I do now. I started out, I did a couple of years over the road. But yeah, I, I, um, I'm home every day. I, I drive about three to 400 miles a day, probably. Oof. Oof. Just a big loop of pickups pick and drop-offs? It would just drop-offs. I deliver to like hospitals. So I deliver from our, our warehouse to the same town every day. Um, two big hospitals, maybe a bunch of nursing homes and surgery centers. And um, head back to head back to home. It's wild. You know what? I thank you because as you described that, I've come to realize more and more as I get older. And we all heard during the pandemic, this phrase supply chain. We all started hearing about that. Yeah. But what the supply chain really is at the end of the day is there's a factory somewhere and it makes things and they load those things into probably at this point in history, a container. And that container probably goes on a ship and there's sailors, you know, yeah. there's longshore men or longshore people that load it onto the ship. And then there's sailors that sail it to another port where there's more longshoremen that get it off the ship. And then there's truckers that bring it to warehouses where it's stored. And then there's people who account for it and place it where it needs to go in the warehouse. And then there's people like you where it gets placed from that warehouse onto your truck before it winds up at the nursing home where someone listening, you know, their aunt or uncle might live in that nursing home and they are using the thing that you dropped off, whatever it might be. There you go. There you go. So when we say supply chain, the supply chain is the product and all those people that I named. And you are a human link in that supply chain we've heard so much about. Yeah. Yeah. When everybody was talking about lockdown and whatnot, and no, I I wasn't working from home or I was, going to work every day. Now, let me ask you this. I mean, 400 miles a day, that's no joke. And then on top of it, you said you've done some long hauls back in the day too. And you've also presented yourself as somebody who has a pretty treacherous history with with motor vehicles. So I'm sure you think about it a lot, but 
here's one thing I know for a fact that you can probably tell me the specifics on. There's people out here on these roads. You truckers are keeping the rest of us alive a lot of the time in spite of our own idiotic moves out on these highways, right? Yeah, I see a lot of stupidity daily. What um, is it? What are the stupid things people need to need to be aware of that they can avoid if they're listening? Because there's people doing dumb stuff on these highways. What are the common things where you're like, buddy, you're lucky I'm paying attention right now? Put down the phone and drive. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's number one. I, I can spot them usually because I've got a, I've got a governed truck. I can only do like 63, 64 miles an hour. And then I'll notice the vehicle, it, first it slows down, and then it starts kind of leaving, which I usually can't pass those vehicles. And I look over, and they've got one in their hand, and they're either you know, reading a text or typing something or whatever. And it's, it, it, yeah, that's, that's probably one of my least favorite things to see. But other than that, just people just in a hurry for probably no reason. Uh, it's like the, some people are driving like they're, you know, the depends on getting to a hospital, like like you drive an ambulance. Probably worse than you drive an ambulance. Oh, the ambulance, I'll tell you, at least where I drive, some of the first things they tell us are getting there is more important than getting there fast. And yeah. you're only turning the, uh, people, I tell people I've been doing this and they're like, oh, you get to blast the horns and the lights and the sirens, right? And I'm like, no, they tell you really very explicitly from the start, you're only turning those things on if it's, an issue where you need to get somebody someplace quick because they're in bad shape or you need to alert other motorists that you're coming because it's a safety issue. And otherwise, nobody's out here trying to be a Formula One driver in an ambulance. And if you are, I think at least in most areas, people would go, no, we can't. We can't have you doing this. Get safety. They're like, the number one thing is we keep everybody on that thing safe, including you and the EMTs. I'm like, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's something I'm always fully aware of. Is my vehicle can my vehicle is a eighty thousand pound missile that can do a lot of damage. So yeah, I try to take care. And I haven't I haven't killed anybody this this week. So, good, good, know, good. Keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> no, I've I've uh, I've got a really good really good track record with my professional driving. Good. No, and and listen, I might make jokes about it, but I want you to know. I can tell that you take it seriously. You take the safety seriously. You're doing the safety checks, govern trucks. So any jokes I make, they will be under the umbrella of promise you. I'm not, I'm just joking. That's all I do good. want to ask, I want to ask, um, you know, you, you do these 400 mile loops. I'm not sure what part of the country you live in. You did some long hauls as well. I imagine you've been all over this country on these roads. Are there any areas? Um, yeah. You see where I'm going with this. Yeah. I want to know the areas where you're like, here's the areas where people are most nuts on the road. Chicago. Chicago. Uh, Chicago was the first time I had somebody pass me on the shoulder doing like 80, Jeez. which is scared the shit out of you. You know, I'm in, I'm in this far right lane. I'm doing my, you know, 60, 65, whatever, I, whatever I'm driving at. And just all of a sudden, like, you know, just fucking out of nowhere. General, I black me. It'll it'll kind of start because you're not expecting that on the right hand side of when you course. got a shoulder there. Of course, uh, but that and that end, they just they 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 cut you off like there's no tomorrow. Um, it's just real rude driving in, in the Chicago area. I drove from I live in St. Louis. I drove from St. Louis to Chicago um, for one of my jobs, um, and I was also uh, in like the Great Lakes region for another one. So 
Um, Illinois was one of my main states, and yeah. I, I don't like Chicago. Chicago. I was just in Chicago last weekend, and it's also an area where I haven't, I, you know, I've driven there a bunch in my, I've been visiting Chicago for years. Comedian, it's a major hub. But it's also, I do know one thing about Chicago, which is that it's designed in a way where when that traffic jams up, it jams up, and everybody in Chicago is aware of where it jams up and when. And it does seem like there's people who have like a constant mental need to try to stay ahead of that traffic. And I could see that leading yeah. to people making some foolish choices out there. Yeah. Speaking of Chicago. Um, so you and I have shared this, a couple of the same stages. Uh, I used to play in a band back in the early two thousands and we did a gig at the hideout. And one of, one of our best gigs that we've ever done, I uh, got a recording from it and yeah, it was a great recording. We put it on our album. And um, I actually got to see you at the uh, Off Broadway in St. Louis. So, and I played at that stage many times. Oh, that was a great show. Those it, it was. It, it was. Um, that crowd made me feel young again, man. <laughs> Did they? Hey, and you were recording it. Were, were you doing anything special with that? The video of that, or just? I'll just tell you what. Just random with you. Well, it's a very funny story. So we um, we were actually going to record the next night in Carbondale, Illinois. And, and we did. I brought a friend of mine down. I was playing this place called the Lost Cross House, which is incredible. It's this house where punk rockers live. And it's they've been doing shows in the basement since the 80s. And as a touring musician, you know, there is this culture of like house shows and whatnot. But usually those houses get shut down after a few years or they're in college towns where the kids all move out. So the idea that it's existed for 30 years, it was really cool. And my friend was going to record that show. And he had hired somebody to help him. And the guy who was going to help shoot it got COVID. So the night of St. Louis, my friend was like, you know what? I'm going to set up all the cameras and just see if I can do it myself without help. So we'll use tonight's show as the test just for me to know where the equipment's at. And I actually wound up, that was one of the best shows I did on that whole tour. So he and I are actually yeah. supposed to talk today and go over how the footage came out. Cause I'm thinking I might just use that footage as, as the video version of the special someday when it comes out. Cool. I loved that show. That venue was amazing. Yeah. It's changed a lot since I used to play there. Um, they, they, yeah, I mean, they redid the whole place. The, the bar used to be next to the stage there. Um, but yeah, that was one of our main stays there. That's Did amazing. you do the hangar nine in Carbondale? Hangar 9 in Carbondale. I did Hangar 9 uh, as the early show and then Lost Cross House as the late show. Okay, yeah, well, I played at the Hangar too. Oh. Um, I don't really remember it a whole lot. I think it was one show years ago. So you've played all all these Midwestern venues I've played. You ever play uh, X-Ray Arcade up in just outside of Milwaukee? No. That was another good one up in that area. A large, large uh, dysfunctional band. Um, so touring was difficult for us. We yeah uh, we did we didn't do a lot of those that was about the extent of as far as we went with Chicago we did a gig in Michigan once at a friend of ours her parents had a, a place like in a resort community we did a gig for her but other than that we really just stayed pretty close to home. That's cool. How long were you in this band for? Uh, from like 2000, right around early 2000 to oh oh seven oh eight. That's no joke. That's a commitment. So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it was never like, you know, making money. 
I was in it for the free beer and just having fun. And I told myself, as long as I'm still having fun, we'll keep making it work. But then it stopped being fun. So I was like, all right. And that was my, my kid was born right, right about 2007. So it was just like, yeah, this is, uh, I'm done. I miss it now, but yeah, I was definitely done. Cause you're, you're working, you know, I was working at nine to five. So I'm, you know, a lot of weeknights, I'm staying out till two or three in the morning and then getting up and going to work the next day. And I mean, I was young then, I guess I, I could handle it, but at a certain point it just became more work than fun. And so. And what did you play? I was the bass guitar player, the upright the bass, bass guitar. Upright bass too. Yeah. Oh, you you traveled around with an upright bass. Um, I don't know if I always traveled with that. I, I yeah, I, yeah. I don't. I don't remember. I mean, yeah, locally, yeah, I traveled with it. You know, I we, I had a pickup truck and loaded the back with all the gear. It's wild. I'm kind of currently at what you're describing, where I go. I've loved this artist's life. I've been very lucky. I've been successful by anybody's measure they'd look at it and go man you slugged it out you made it work but i also have a child now and the romance of yeah. the road is wearing off and the romance of uh of feeling like man i'm somehow still getting away with it it's wearing off but in a way that's not sad a way that's yeah couched in these other feelings that i have yet to figure out how to put words on well, having kids will change, yeah. change you a lot. I know that. My life's not about me anymore, you know? We've got grandkids now. My you life, my, my, my wife, it, she's she's got three adult children from another marriage, and so two of them have have a, a son and one on the way. My daughter's like 15 now. I don't have like natural um, biological grandchildren, but it's all the same. Wow. A lot of it's a lot of fun. A lot more fun. You know. <laughs> it's a cliche, everybody says it, but you know, you, you get the kid for as long as you can handle it and then you you know, call mom and dad, <laughs> come get this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh and how old are you now, can I ask? Yeah, uh forty eight. So I'm just probably a little older than you. Yeah, five years older. You're, I'm about to turn forty two. Yeah. And now wow, because I think we've talked to I know we've talked to grandmas on the show, famously a 39-year-old grandma. That was one of our most popular calls yeah. back in the day. I don't know that I've talked to a grandpa. See, I got to tell you, from looking at my dad's behavior, seems like being a grandpa is like a real sweet deal. It, it is. Definitely is. Seems real fun. I mean, I'm not changing no diapers, though. My wife, I told her, I'm like, you're doing all the poopy diapers. Um, <laughs> my dad has said the same thing. I did that with my daughter, and I told her, she, there's payback coming when I get old. you got to wipe my ass if I can't do it. <laughs> so, uh, well, i, I got to keep being nice to her. I know my wife won't do it. She'll just stick me in a nursing home or something. But, What's yeah. it like? I mean, pretty short. All things together, a pretty short amount of time to go from being like a touring musician living that life to a grandpa. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's amazing sometimes when I look in the mirror and like the person I remember is gone, and I don't I don't recognize the guy that's there now. My wife is so like so I I start work about one o'clock in the morning, so I have no like no social life. Well, a little bit on the weekends, but like yeah, I'm in bed at 
five, six o'clock every night. So there's not much, there's not much socialization you can do. On a Friday night, if I want to go out by like nine o'clock, I'm struggling to stay awake. I hear that. I um, hear that. But it's nice. I mean, today I worked an eleven hour day and you know, it's it was noon here when um and I'm I'm off work and calling calling you guys. So that part of it's kinda nice. Get to get home early, do some some yard work and gardening and stuff while the daylight's out. Um I like got his ups and downs. Yeah. Now wait. You started off with something specific. I want to go back to it because I love that we're going in all these directions about what it's like to grow up, get a new job, become this new life that you don't even recognize from years ago, the ups and downs, the gratifying. I love all that. I'm sure we'll talk about it more. I do have to ask specifically, you flew through all these descriptions of different accidents, but I don't know if we heard everything about this moped accident in particular. What are you doing out there on a moped? Yeah. Why, are you, why are you messing around with a moped? Uh. How long ago was um, this? You know what? This was 13 years ago, April oh, 13 Fool's Day, uh, oh, 2010. 2010. That must have been the moment you grew up. When you wipe out on a moped, that must be a time where you're like, I think I need to grow up. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think. <laughs> You'd right? think. I'm not even making fun of you, and I get to ask you the question, were you using the motor or were you pedaling at the time? Like, And I'm not even being facetious. Using the motor, so like, one of the fun things about the hobby of mopeding, which I am no longer, I'm retired from that as well. <laughs> um, so you you find these these things in barns and garages and basements that haven't haven't ran in twenty years, thirty years. You throw a little, uh, you clean the fuel system, you put a new spark plug in it, and you fire it up, and it's like, oh, cool, I brought this thing back to life. But it only goes 25, 30 miles an hour. And then your buddies who all have bikes that they've already souped up and you go out riding with them and then they leave you in their dust. And so then you, uh, you buy performance parts, bigger cylinders, you know, performance exhaust pipes, bigger carburetors. And then you make them do 40, 50, 60 miles an hour as possible. And the one I was riding, um, it would do like about 45 miles an hour at full speed. And that's the speed I was going at when, so I'm going, going northbound on this road and the southbound traffic, there's a car that's in the turn lane and they have a yield. And I, I assumed that they were, you know, sometimes you pull into the intersection to wait for traffic and then you make the turn. I kind of thought that they were just going to stop and, 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 uh, wait to turn, but she didn't see me. So she turned right in front of me and I broadsided her at, yeah, like I said, about 45 miles an hour. And the short story is broke everything except my left arm. Everything except your left arm? What do you mean? Like everything? Yeah, well, I mean, not everything, but like every, every limb of my body was in one way or another broken. Um, except for my left arm had no, had a big scar on it, but no broken bones. Um, so both face helmet, I still broke my orbital eye socket, uh, upper and lower mandible. And all of those needed, um, plates and screws to fix, uh, broke my humerus, three ribs, pelvis was like cracked in half. Femur was shattered. Like my le right leg was three or four inches shorter than my left leg. It was just back in half and like pushed up and out of the way. And my left tibia was broken. Um, oh, jeez. 
Oh, yeah, so probably I don't. I lost count of how many surgeries. I think there was probably around a dozen ish surgeries, six or seven right away, and then follow ups were um, a nerve graft for my arm. Oh my goodness! All for a moped ride. Yeah, and the worst part is so. So I have to give you, you, you know, your um, your people, the ambulance people, props because. First thing I remember after the accident, because it, you know, obviously it knocked me out. I wake up as they're pulling me out of the ambulance, going into the ER, and just knowing that some professional people had me, and they lied to me. They said, you know, you're in an accident, you're okay. But <laughs> I was not okay. But I believed them, and um, yeah, it, it made all the all the world of difference just knowing there are people out there to 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 scrape me off the ground. And it, it was a short ride to the hospital. Uh, it, it literally took place across the street from from one of the best hospitals in St. Louis. So they didn't. I didn't need an ambulance. They could have just drugged me over there. Um, yeah. So yeah, it took me. I was out of work for about five months. Was bedridden for probably a good month. Um, wheelchair for a month or two. Walker to a cane to finally. I mean, I'm I'm good now most days. Walk without a limp, um, you know, 90% of the time. Occasionally, occasionally something happens, and I'm like, why is this hurting? I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember why. Oof. I, have a, I have a bit of a bias against mopeds because when I was growing up, there was a kid in my neighborhood who had one, and he was, I would say, hands down, one of the most unhinged people I've ever been around, and his, mo his moped was a major piece of the puzzle in that. He used to, he used to hunt us for sport, the other children. He, yeah. He was slightly older and he would hunt us. And he, the moped was such a perfect weapon for that because you'd all of a sudden, you wouldn't hear anything and then you'd just see the headlight come on at the end of the street and we'd all just start yelling. We had a nickname for him that I won't say on the show, but it was the first syllable of his last name and we'd all start yelling it. And then you'd just see the headlight would come on and you'd just hear like, ring, ring, ring. And you'd realize he had pedaled up to us in silence and then threw the thing into gear and now he was going to hunt us for his own amusement. So I've never liked a moped. And <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry you went through all of that on that moped. But I can't say I'm fond of mopeds and anyone who gets on one, I question your judgment. <laughs> well, you know, so my, my, my first question was, you know, when, when I came to, like, what happened? Was it my fault? They said, no, it was not your fault. So I'm like, well, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, I'll get some time off of work. Maybe I'll get, you know, some money out of this. No. <laughs> I mean, I got time off of work, but uh, the lady had like liability insurance. So I got $25,000, which was nothing for the amount of uh, pain and suffering and, you know, all the lost wages and whatnot. Yeah, that's, that's nothing at all. I got a lawyer and he's like, yeah, she's, she's 84 on social security with no assets. He said, you can get like, you can um, garnish 15% of her income. I think he said, but like, you know, well, you know, he, he basically, he wouldn't handle the case for, you know, without me paying him out. Right. <laughs> oh, wow. So yeah. Um, that kind of stuff. He said, yeah, if it was a, and he said, if it was a UPS truck, you'd be set, you know, you'd probably be getting like, you know, well into six, seven figures settlement. But, um, he's like, yeah, you got screwed. Sometimes it's not the accident, it's who you hit. That's another bummer of a story right there. Anyway, let's go ahead, let's get the ads out of the way. We'll be right back. 
Thank you to all the advertisers who helped this show exist. Now let's finish off the phone call. Instead of a little UPS truck, you'd be set. You know, you'd probably be getting like, you know, well into six, seven figures settlement. But um, he's like, yeah, you got screwed. <laughs> wow. I'm glad you're still standing after that one. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. And um, so I wasn't married at the time, but that kind of, I want to say that kind of led to me and my wife kind of getting together. The moped accident. Well, we were acquaintances. Um, a, a friend of mine um, lived two doors down from her, and it was like two, two or three blocks from my house. So I, I, I knew of her, and um, she came to visit me in the hospital once or twice. And my, my friend had always been trying to get us together for, you know, a decade before this. But we both were, you know, it was never right timing. Either she was she was engaged at one point, or you know, I was. Um, you know, girlfriend or whatever. So once I got out of the hospital, I was recovering at my parents' house, which is like 30 miles from, from where I lived, where all my friends were like, nobody would come out and visit me out there. So she actually came out there, visited me and like rescued me and took me back to the city. Um, so I could hang out with some of my friends for a night and, I th- it was. A, I think it was that, that day I fell in love with her. Wow, okay. I got to say, there's not too many people who have love stories that start with all of their bones being broken in a moped accident. That's rare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, the greatest thing was is my, so my parents, my dad was trying to sell my house. He, he thought like, you know, there's no way he can, like he's never going to recover from this and he's going to order me to take care of him, I guess, or something. And I'm like, no, don't, don't do that. I'm going to recover. I'm going to be fine. And my wife was hearing me say this kind of stuff. And she's looking at me going, does this guy know how bad he's hurt? Like, is he fucking crazy? Like he's, he's sitting here like my jaws wired shut. I'm like, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to recover. <laughs> Nobody really believed me. And it was great to um, just make a full, full recovery and um, prove everybody wrong. Yeah, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. Yeah. Wow. So you fell in love while you were sitting there with bones broken and leg one leg shorter than the other. That's when you fell in love. Well, they they straightened the one leg out eventually, but yeah, yeah. Once she once she rescued me, um, took me out of my house, and uh, uh, yeah, I don't know what it was, but like just I guess the the kindness and thoughtfulness, it uh, it didn't go unnoticed. That's cool. Cause yeah, I was, I was like, I was so fucking bored. Just, I mean, <laughs> it, 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 in one sense, it was kind of like living out my, one of my dreams was just like, you know, sleeping on the couch, doing drugs all day. Oh. Um, that was kind of nice for a while. Cause I was on, I was on fentanyl and Vicodin oh, wow. and like, and then I, I did get one person to come out and bring me some weed. Okay. But, um, okay. But yeah. So that was, that was kind of nice, you know, and didn't have to work, <laughs> but I was, I was eating all my meals through a straw for like the first six weeks. Sure. I mean, that's, that, that's my lost, like, I, kinda, I lost a lot of weight. Yeah. And my parents. So, so my parents, my mom finds my stash and they had an intervention for me for weed. And I mean, I was, this was before it was legal medicinally here, but it, it was kind of, I was kind of using it medicinally. It was really helping me. And they're like, my whole family gets together. They're trying to put me in rehab. And I'm like, no, 
no, just, just take me back home. I'll take care of myself. I don't need you. Like, I don't need to go rehab for weed. Like I'm okay. And I mean, eight, eight and a half years ago when I decided to start driving a truck, I quit smoking weed. No problem. Haven't touched it since it's now legal recreationally here in the state. I could have gotten it medicinally. And I tell myself every day is the worst choice I could ever make to get a CDL because I would really like to be able to use cannabis still, but I don't, it's no big deal. You're not even allowed to use it on the weekends or anything, huh? No, no. I mean, once, if the federal government takes it off the schedule one, there may be some possibilities of that, but as of right now, no, um, yeah, like legally or just company policy. I think they're both, yeah, I would get fired and I don't know, lose my license. I don't know, but yeah, it's a bunch of shit. Like I, yeah, it, nobody, I don't want, I don't want to use it while I'm driving. I, I drink no, alcohol too, but I don't do it while I'm driving. Like I'm going to go home. I'm probably going to have two or three beers when I cut the grass and yeah, but you know, that's fine, but I can't go home and take a couple one hits. It's uh bunch of shit sorry sally that's okay that's okay that's a very funny yeah. intervention i bet that's a very funny intervention yeah okay well, no no no, no. But, but, but what's funnier is so my mom i mean it's not funny this is not funny um she she had um i guess a, she sur survived breast cancer you know 20 to 30 30 years ago probably um but a few years after this um ovarian cancer came back so she was she was smoking weed medicinally. My dad was smoking weed to cope with the stress of dealing with because I think it was seven years she battled it. So he's smoking weed to deal with the stress and anxiety from her. And I'm like, man, fuck you, people! Like, you know, years ago you were telling me I need an intervention, and now you're both doing it. And my daughter was smoking weed too. I'm like, everybody's smoking weed but me. What's going on with this world? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm so sorry to hear that your mom was sick. Yeah, thanks. That's the main takeaway. But also, the idea that every other member of your family gets high when they previously intervened. There is some... Yeah, well, my brother and sister, they they don't. Okay. They, they, they're not. But okay. I mean, everybody else was. And, and, you know, I don't know. It is what it is, and, and times are changing, and... It's just weird that, like, so my mom, she she passed last summer, but my dad's 72, and I'm pretty sure he's still getting high, which he didn't, he didn't for years. He did when I was a kid. I think he quit, quit when I was maybe, I don't know, around 10. But um, throughout most of his life, he was sober, and um, now he's, uh, he's just like a big old kid again. It's, 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 it's unreal. <laughs> I'm sitting here wondering about you. I'm like, man, you've lived a lot of life in a relatively short amount of time. We pointed it out that you're already a grandpa at a relatively young age. And, you know, you had a whole career as a musician. And now you're you're driving trucks. You've, you know, you had a whole chapter of your life that came and went. You, you've raised kids. You packed this all in so early. Do you, do you ever sit and think about, like, I'm about to turn 43. And I sit here and I go, I'm proud of all the stuff I've done, but I don't really know what I'm supposed to do for the next 40 to 45 years of just hanging out. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I know I just keep playing the lotto and hoping to win so I can retire. <laughs> <early>. that's, <laughs> that's, my, 
that's my goal right now because um, I love my job. If I, if if I have to work, you know, I'll keep doing it. It's not it's not that bad. Um, but I'd rather just not do it. <laughs> you think? And I'd, well, and I'd, I'd get to go back to using cannabis too. So yeah, there's that. Yeah, it sounds like it does sound like something you're really looking forward to. <laughs> And if you yeah, if yeah. you don't hit the lotto, you think that retirement? You think seventeen more years of driving trucks? Oh no, um, I don't know. My um, my my retirement savings is not great, so uh, I'm probably going to be working as long as I can. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of catch up right now, but I didn't do. A, I, I I've had some. I was laid off once. Like uh, was it 2006? I got a pretty good severance, but I, I was out of work for six months, and I, I ended up using the severance and um, spending the 401k that I had saved up. So I kind of started over then. So yeah, I don't I don't have any pensions. Um, I got a little bit of 401k from a previous job and my current 401k, and yeah. So it's we'll see where I'm at at uh, retirement age and where Social Security is. But yeah, I'm probably gonna be working in my 70s. And, wow, how do you feel about that? Uh, not great, but you know, I mean, I'm gonna do what I gotta do to just keep on living. I like to, um, I like to eat, so I'm gonna do whatever I can do to keep on being able to eat. <laughs> and uh, I like having a house, so yeah. And what's up with that St. Louis pizza? You like that stuff with that cheese on it? <laughs> What'd you say? Is it like eating rubber or something? It's like eating like the most delicious silly putty I've ever chewed on is that Provel cheese on top of the St. Louis pizza. So you you, so you liked you liked it though the emos. It tasted good, but I was weird. But you well, it's like you know. So for anybody not listening, St. Louis pizza because right now Detroit pizza is all the rage. They do like a square slice deep dish. Everybody knows what Chicago style is. You know New York people associate with the more standard pizza. Jersey has some of the best pizza in the world. St. Louis has this pizza that uses this cheese called Provel cheese that I don't think is really used anywhere else except St. Louis. And the sense I get is mostly just on the pizza, and it melts down into almost like a goo. Like a glue. Yeah, yeah. like a pasty glue. And it tastes delicious, but it, it's one of those substances that as you're eating it, you, you feel like this is not natural, and it's probably doing bad things to my body. Oh, no, it's all good for you. I love it. I love it. We um, so they they um they've got both like frozen Emos pizzas in the stores. You can buy fully frozen. Emos is the famous chain, right? Yeah, yeah. Or you can buy just the crust and their cheese and make your own. And we do both at home, or we we uh, have it delivered. That's usually our go-to on delivery. I mean, it sucks because you know the thin crust. I could eat like a whole pizza myself. Um, so it, it, I don't know. It's not very filling, but yeah, that's <laughs> uh, good stuff. <laughs> uh, I, man, that is—I've eaten all over the all over the country, all over the world at this point in my travels, and I will say that pizza is one of the guilty pleasures. Where I'm like, man, it tastes good, but what am I doing to myself? What am I doing? St. Louis pizza. Yeah. So I have. So I've been probably in like. 30, maybe 30 states. Um, I have not been to the Northeast or the Northwest. Uh, I think that's what I'm lacking. So I think I've, I've been out as far as like North Carolina, 
maybe. I don't remember if I've been to Virginia. But what what sucks about being a truck driver is don't let anybody ever tell you, oh, you'll get to see the country. And, you know, you get to see the same truck stops. The only difference is a truck stop in Florida might have a palm tree. But, like, you don't have, you don't have time to do anything but right, drive, right. you know, park, sleep, wake up and do, do you know, drive over again. Um, so, yeah, I never really got to, I went through Memphis probably, like Memphis and Nashville. I probably drove through those cities dozens of times. And just finally within the last three or four years, me and my wife got to travel to, to Memphis and like do some sightseeing and same with Nashville. And it's like, Oh yeah, this is all the stuff I was missing in these cities. Like this is a really cool town. So yeah, I, uh, I still have a lot of the country left to see and, uh, we'll get there one day. Well, there's a whole culture to trucking, right? Where it's like you said, you're going to places and not seeing them, but there's also people in those places who aren't participating in the culture of trucking. Like I, I've done enough driving to know there's people sleeping all over the highways that you probably don't realize if you're just in a car. There's all sorts of truck stops that have showers and and people living whole lives on these sort of like fringe areas along the road. And most of us don't ever mm-hmm. stop and think about that. Yeah, yeah, no, I've done... I, I begin to notice it a lot. You see a lot of people that are living in their cars. You can kind of tell the, the signs of it, you know, it, at truck stops or rest areas. But, like, I would love if if I were to hit, like, a big, you know, lottery jackpot where I could retire, I would totally get, like, a big truck camper or, a, uh, you know, small RV. And I'd love to, like, not full-time, but I'd love to set out and take, you know, a nice long month or two-month-long trip and, um, you know, just live out of the, just live on the road and, you know, see the world. That sounds nice. There's campgrounds everywhere and you don't really notice them unless you're looking for them. But my wife and I did an RV trip a couple of years ago with the baby during COVID. We wanted to go see my parents in Florida and it felt like what's a safe way to do it. So we, we got rented an RV. We said, all right, this way we won't have to get on a plane. Everything would be self-sufficient. You start to realize, oh, even in areas you wouldn't expect, like near major cities, there's campgrounds and there's all sorts of places where people are kind of out. I don't want to say on the fringe because to them it's not the fringe, but there's all these sort of alternate realities coexisting all the time along the roads of America. Yeah, It's pretty cool. Sure. You've seen a lot of it. What was the craziest? I mean, you had a crazy life with all your car accidents. What was the craziest thing that ever happened when you were in the band? You got any good road stories? Um, hmm. I'm sure I do. Um, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of craziness in the band. One that one that stands out right now. This was in it was close to the metro area of St. Louis. It was over in Illinois, though. It was like an Elks Lodge or something, and it was one of them shows where we do um, three hour sets. So you know, you play 45 minutes, take a 15 minute break, you know, repeat that three times. And I don't know whoever. We didn't know we had any fans out there, but there were these people, there were these couple guys that just loved us. And so they caught us after the first break and they're like, Hey, we got these mushrooms, man. You guys want some? I'm like, fuck yeah. So they're like, you know, they're, they're like the chocolate covered, um, you know, psychedelic mushrooms. So we eat some, I think the first set, I don't remember if they started kicking in during the second set, but like after the second after the second break, they gave us more. And by the end of the night, I could I could barely like drive home. I mean, I was I was driving, 
but my my wife at the time, my ex-wife, like called me, and I couldn't talk to her like without laughing. I had to hand hand the phone to my buddy. It's like I can't do this. But it was like I've never been that messed up on mushrooms before. Um, so that was a that was a fun night. But I'm sure there's a lot of um, other things that I just can't think of offhand. I've never done mushrooms. I hear they're great, but I've never done them. I've always I've always had some fear. Yeah, they're they're okay. Better than LSD if you're like, you know, if you want to do something kind of psychedelic or whatever. LSD is pretty intense. Like, you know, there should be like an instruction manual to go along with like with it before you do it. Don't go in public. Don't look in a mirror. Um, just hang out with your buddies like at your house and um make sure and lock away any dangerous <laughs> weapons or <laughs> Yeah, see once you have to have that rule. Well, that's when I tap out. That's when I'm like, once you have to lock up the weapons, this is when I go, I don't know if I'm mentally stable enough to mess with whatever this is. Now, what's it like being a, do you talk this freely, like with your, with your kids, with your wife's kids around your grandkids? Like you're very clearly someone who's like lived a lot of life, experienced substances, misses your weed, has done shrooms and acid. With my wife's kids, I, I, I do. Uh, they're all doing the same thing for the most part. Not all of them, but some of them are. With my wife, I'm kind of, I hold back a little bit. Um, I don't know if she, she realizes what a lunatic she married, but I mean, it's been 12 <laughs> years now, so she don't, she doesn't hate me yet. I guess we're good. Um, but with my daughter, uh, so yeah, so she's 15. And was it a year ago, we found out she was using marijuana. and. I mean, I'm all for her if she chooses to use it when she's closer to an adult. I'm like, I prefer 21-ish, but at least, you know, but at that age, yeah, no. Um, so I wasn't happy about that. But I am I try to be pretty honest with her um, about, you know, anything that's happened to me in the past. But, I mean, this is a totally anonymous, so I can just say whatever the hell I want. Nobody's ever going to know it's me, right? Hence the premise of this show. I love it. <laughs> so you're letting the guard down Even a little more. Even somebody I like I it. I can away so many clues that anybody that knows me <laughs> knows who this is. Yeah. I love it. You've lived a lot of life. I'm glad you're okay. Yeah, I'm, glad, I'm glad you survived the horrific array of car accidents. Yeah. Being launched 30 feet, having every bro bone broken. I'm glad you survived all that so that we could be here talking today. Damn right. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm like a, uh, a cat, I guess. Uh, I got the nine lives going on. Indeed. I think I've used six or seven, something like that. So, yeah, I'm going to try to keep on hanging around to uh, watch these grandkids and kids grow up. Yeah. It's going to be fun. But it doesn't sound like that's necessarily made you want to slow down. Like, it sounds like you still miss your still miss your drugs and just keep it a little more private, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not, I don't know. It's 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 just a nice thing after after a long day of work to just kind of, unwind um right now it's i'm usually using alcohol to do that and i would drink a lot less probably if i was using cannabis so sometimes uh, sometimes i mean i don't drink i don't drink a whole lot but sometimes i drink a little more than i probably would if uh yeah if i could use cannabis as well mm -hmm. so but that's just uh i guess that's just habits we start forming and uh yeah it's been a joy talking to you. We only have a couple minutes left. Oh, right on. It's been a joy. I started listening to the show probably about a little over a year ago was when I discovered it. 
Mm-hmm. So it was, yeah, COVID was already raging and you know, I just caught up with all the old episodes, but definitely had to say thanks for uh, keeping me company um, during all my long travels. You listen to the show while you're out there driving? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I that's what that. I do to, to help pass the time is uh podcast. So I don't really listen to music while I'm driving, but uh, I love anything that's, that's educational that can kind of um, um, just, uh, just make me a, more wise, uh, well, well-rounded person. And, uh, yeah, this, your, your podcast definitely does that. You know, you get to learn so much about so many different people, my styles and stories. So, yeah. So I'm all caught up on all the past catalog. I'm just now, unfortunately just getting one a week, like, but, uh, didn't take long to, to binge the rest of them. <laughs> I love hearing this and I will tell you, you know, there's, entertainment there's you know people who are in it to get famous or to make a ton of money and those things i'm you know famous is is what it is money is always a nice thing but i will tell you for me hearing that people consume this show while they are out there and they're hardworking people doing hard work and part of how they pass the time while they're doing that hard work is with this i can't tell you how much i love that i love it so so much so i'm, I'm so happy to hear that cool cool and uh, one more thing I have to tell you before we go. Um, so I'm sitting at a gas station getting ready to fill up the car here when we get off the phone. And um, this car, is, it's your fault that I bought this car, I'm pretty sure. My fault that you bought a car? What? You want to you guess what kind of car I have? Wait, it's my fault that you bought the car? The, the kind of car I bought. Is it a Kia? I bought a Subaru. Oh, a Subaru, right. Okay, they... Yeah, yeah. Well, they advertised a while ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, you, you guys had you had the uh, Subaru campaign going on. That's where you so talked to all the Subaru drivers. <laughs> That's so funny for me because that was years ago. That was years ago, but you're just catching up. Yeah, yeah, that was like you know, I heard that probably like you know, eight months ago. But um, uh-huh. yeah, so like uh, what in February I was shopping for a car, and I didn't really know what I wanted, and I, I saw a Subaru advertised, so I took one for a test drive, and um, remembered you know yeah all the all the testimony from from your show and uh I thought, yeah what is it like, like these people seem to they seem to be more fans than just like a normal consumer and it's like what is it about this car i love it so i test drove one i uh, didn't buy that one but i kind of started looking at them and uh, found the one i'm driving now and i love it so, we did that subaru campaign years ago and i never had any idea if it worked it worked for one guy and all these years later i, I find out it got, it worked. It worked at least one goddamn time. That's amazing. We're going to have to let them know. Maybe they'll re-up as a sponsor. That would be incredible. Our time is up. Yeah. This has been a lovely chat. I'm so glad you're okay. I'm so sorry about your horrific moped accident. Eh, don't and be. it was a joy to chit-chat with you today. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I'm pretty damn strong, I guess. So. There you go. All right, man. It. Thanks for chatting with me. You too. Thanks so much. Caller, thank you again so much. We were we're gonna let the Subaru people know instantly if Subaru ads show up back on the show. That is thanks to you. So thank you for that. Thank you to Anita Flores for producing the show. Thank you to Jared O'Connell for engineering the show. Our theme song is by Shell Shag. Go to chrisgeth.com if you want to know more about me and wherever you're listening. There's a button. It says subscribe, favorite, follow. It helps so much when you hit that button. So think about doing so. If you want our merch, it's at podswag.com. There's shirts and stuff over there. Check them out. If you want your episodes without ads, you might want to check out stitcher.com slash premium. If you use the promo code stories, you get a month free. And hey, if you like the show, share it with a friend. 